so glad to be with you. I'm so glad you're my family and uh, so glad that you love me or pretend to love me. So I'm grateful for you, very, very grateful. Um, over the last couple months, something that has become clear to me is that God wants to perfect us in his love. I'm thinking primarily of the chapter in 1 John uh, 4, and we'll be using that as our text. So while you're turning there, let me just say that the purpose of the book of 1 John, uh, as far as I can tell, is to assure us who are believers that we are truly in Christ. I think the old apostle wanted to bring us assurance. He wanted to answer the question, how do we know we are truly in Christ? Bill spoke on being in Christ last week, didn't he? And so John is saying, how do you know you're the real McCoy? How do you know you are the real deal, that you are truly in Christ? And he seems to suggest that there are three tests that you can give yourself. The first is, are you living righteously? Someone who's in Christ lives a righteous life or practices righteous living. Secondly, do you, do you believe the right things? Do you have right doctrine? And third, do you exercise true love of the brethren? And it's really that third one that I want to talk about today, loving the brethren and being perfected in love. And so I want to begin with a question, can we love each other despite our various quirks and weaknesses? Have you noticed any quirks around here? <laughs> as strange and impossible as it may seem, uh, my precious wife, Laura, has a quirk or two. And it seems as good a day as any to get into trouble. So <laughs> I'm going to tell you that one of her quirks is that she absolutely hates styrofoam plates. When we uh, drafted our... <laughs> who said amen here? <laughs> oh, Gordon, you're with her. All right. Well, when we drafted the first draft of our will, Laura put in there that she did not want styrofoam plates at her funeral reception. I said, honey, don't you think that's going a little far, you know? And uh, many times during the course of our marriage, she has said, if you allow styrofoam plates at my funeral reception, I will come back and haunt you from the grave. <laughs> other people have other quirks. For example, many wives complain that their husbands will not stop for directions. And here's a story of one such man. A man and a woman were married for many years. Whenever there was a confrontation, yelling could be heard deep into the night. The old man would shout, When I die, I will dig my way up and out of the grave and come back to haunt you for the rest of your life. Neighbors feared him. The old man liked the fact that he was feared. Then one evening he died when he was 98. After the burial, her neighbors, concerned for her safety, asked, aren't you afraid that he may indeed be able to dig his way out of the grave and haunt you for the rest of his life? 
The wife said, let him dig. I had him buried upside down, and I know he won't ask for directions. <laughs> I've been a part of this body for 33 years, and I've noticed that some of you have some quirks. And I'm really glad that uh, you haven't noticed any of mine. So John exhorts us to love one another. Let's look at 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 8. These are precious words from the scriptures. 1 John 4, starting in verse 8. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And I want you to notice that in verse 12, 17, and 18, which are coming up, this phrase, perfected in love, is there in the scriptures, starting again, verse 12. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know we are, that we abide in him and he in us because he has given of us given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. How many of you have believed the love which God has for you? God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. The title of this message is Perfected in Love. But it's important to note, first off, that it is his love that we are being perfected in, isn't it? Take a look at verse 12 carefully. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. We're not really interested in the world's uh, view of love. We're interested in his love being perfected in us. When I read these words, I... I can't help but think of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, where it says, For the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. That word is 
uh, sunexe, which means, uh, well, it has a lot of meanings, but it means to hold it all together, to hold completely. The King James Version says, for the love of God constrains us. It means it controls us, it compels us. One commentator said it impels us from within. But it's definitely his love, not our love. One day I was fighting with Laura, and the Lord just stopped me in my tracks. I was defending my love to her, how my love was as pure as the wind-driven snow. And uh, the Lord just stopped me. It was one of those times where he spoke just in an instant to my mind. And he said, Jim, why are you defending your love? Your love is pitiful. (laughs) Instead of defending your love, beg her to pray for you. And so I did. But he kind of broke me right then of being proud about my ability to love. Our ability to love is pathetic without the love of Christ inside of us. We're so selfish and self-centered. Our love is being purified by his love. Our love is being subsumed by his greater love. It's expanding his love, purifying and perfecting us. I also think in 1 John again of 1 John 3, verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be, We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And then this powerful verse, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. What a tremendous promise that his love is purifying us. Sometimes, however, we temporarily lose our ability to, and our strength to love, don't we? Especially after a big disappointment. I remember hearing um, Gordon one time say to the elders, I'm like a weed in the concrete. I just keep coming up. I'm like a weed in the concrete. I just keep coming up. And indeed, this is the... I thought about that, and I thought, this is the internal... um, interior life of a leader. A leader takes, gets smacked down. We get smacked down. We get hit with disappointments. And yet, um, a leader, when he gets discouraged or, uh, or suffers a disappointment, leaders keep turning back to the Lord. They keep digging deeper. They keep drilling down deeper to find their comfort, to find solace, to find guidance, and to find the strength to love again. How many of you can say amen to that? Because you've experienced it in your your life. 
You know, churches have slogans, don't they? You drive around town, you see churches with slogans. Exciting Eastwood Baptist comes to mind. Um, such and such a church, a place you can call home. Or how about this one? You know, how many of you have seen the name of a church and then believe, become, no, excuse me, believe, belong, and become? Other churches, uh, I thought one time it would be cool if TCF had a slogan, to, to know him and make him known. Dave and I share a personal slogan, uh, which is root hog or die. <laughs> root hog or die. That's kind of the image of you're in a fight with a bunch of feral pigs. And you've got just, to just go for it or you will get torn to shreds. So we, when we're down, we say to each other, root hog or die. But how about this? Tulsa Christian Fellowship. Weeds in the concrete. We just keep coming up. I think we ought to put that on our Tuesday agenda, Bill, for the... It's his love in us that is purifying and perfecting us. Amen? Aren't we glad we don't need to trust our own pitiful love? Well, someone might ask, how can I be perfected in his love? How do I know that he even loves me? After all, I don't always feel his love or sense his love within me, much less being perfected in love. Verse 16 and 17a show us the way. Verse 16 says, we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. By this, love is perfected with us. So if someone were to ask me, how, how do I even know that I'm loved by God? My first answer would be, he knows your name. He knows your name. You know, like me, you probably believe that on an intellectual level, but perhaps you've never emotionally sensed or known that God knows your name. I want to tell you about an experience I had where that came home to me emotionally. It was back around 1990. I'd been a Christian about 15 years. Um, we were living out in Catoosa, and we had a couple horses. And one day, Abby, our big horse, was named Private. One day, Private bucked Abby, and Abby went flying over Private's head and landed on the ground. Well, being a kid, she was fine. She kind of dusted it off. But Laura got on Private to discipline Private. Well, pretty soon Laura was flying tail over tea kettle through the air, and she was up quite high, I would bet maybe this high, and she came down on her uh, face and neck and stomach, and she just, she just hit so hard and proceeded to have a seizure, and I ran up and I I turned her over, and I looked into her face. Her eyes were open, but there was nobody home. She was gone. And uh, 
you know, in my panic, I just began to hold her head and, and scream, Laura, Laura, Laura. Well, after Laura sort of came back, she told me she'd been in a beautiful place and she'd had an experience with the Lord. And she was talking to the Lord and the Lord was talking to her. And she said, Lord, I just love it here. This is so wonderful. And he said, Laura, you have to go back. And uh, she said, I don't want to go back. I like it right here. And he said, no, you have to go back. And Laura, being who she is, she continued, no, I don't want to go back. <laughs> I didn't plan to say that, honey. <laughs> but he said, here's what he said that before he sent her back, and that was, Jim needs you. And I thought, when, I, when she told me this story, of course, I was so excited about her interaction with the Lord, but selfishly, what impacted me most of all is he knows my name, and he knows me, and he knows I need her. I, I felt such a personal touch and intimate knowledge of the Lord about me that uh, I want to say to you, God knows your name. He knows you just like he knows me. Well, an interesting ancillary thought on this story is that if indeed I need her and she has to stick around till I'm gone, that means I get to die first. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to insist on styrofoam plates at my <laughs> funeral reception just, just to irritate her. He knows your name. He knows who you are. This leads to a second answer to the question, how do I know he loves me? How can I believe in his love? And that is he's intimately acquainted with all your ways. I'm going to read from Psalm 139. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. That's kind of a scary verse right there. Thou hast enclosed me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Then there's several verses about where can I go from your spirit? No matter where I go, you are there with me. Then David goes on to say, For thou didst form my inward parts. You weaved me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, 
the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was none of them. What a beautiful passage of Scripture about God's intimacy in knowing, beginning and knowing and walking with us through all our lives. Do we believe that kind of love? Do we believe in that kind of a tender, loving God? Maybe it's just David making up stuff, you know? But here's something that lends greater authority and security, and that, and that is that in an exhortation to fear God and not men, Jesus said, even the hairs of our head are numbered. Powerful. He is intimately acquainted with all our ways. In Isaiah 49, the Lord says to Israel, his people, I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. He knows our name, and he is intimately acquainted with us in all our ways. If someone said, how do you know he loves me? Another answer I would give is he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to take away our sins. You know, as a teenager, I was a prince among men. I had it all. I had a loving family. I had a great education. I was popular enough at school. I had a promising future. And yet in my high school years before I knew Christ, I was desperately unhappy. I knew I was a hypocrite. I knew I was selfish. I knew I was riddled with guilt and shame and sin and self-loathing. But on one bright sunny day in the mountains of Alberta, Canada, after some friends had witnessed to me, I went off into the mountains and found a field of tall grasses where the mountain peaks were all around me. And it was there that I cried out to God and surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that I felt him come in. I felt him wash me and forgive me, usher in his forgiveness, fill me with his great love and joy, and wash me thoroughly. It was the deepest peace I had ever felt in my life. So deep that I lay down in the sun, the warm sun in the grass, and fell asleep. And uh, when I woke up, I, I sort of popped up, and not more than 50 to 75 yards away was a giant bull moose with a full rack. And I was at first scared, but then I got giddy because I felt like this was the Lord's special gift to me, a beautiful sight to honor uh, that I was his child. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful thing. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, how he loves you and me. He sent his only son to take away our sins. 
He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A fourth answer, how would you, how would you know God loves you? Is that he has made you his precious child. You know, when you become a child of God, there's a change of status, isn't there? You're not just a creature of God. You're not just his creation. You become his child. Bill talked a little bit about this last week. You're in a new relationship of a special nature, a closeness where there is a deep tenderness of God toward you, his son or his daughter. A special closeness, a deep tenderness, an affection, a desire to watch your back, a desire to forgive you when you mess up and dust you off and love you and put you on your way. John 1.12 says, But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become a child of God. I have a son, you guys know, Laura and I have one son named Nathaniel, and uh, he is now married and expecting a baby, and um, you know that he's, he's kind of a burly man. He w- tried to go across Canada solo in his kayak. Most of you were up a whole night praying with me when his kayak was found at the bottom of a waterfall with him not in it. He was rescued by helicopter a couple of times. Um, Anyway, great guy, but uh, he's given me a run for my money as a parent, and Laura will tell you the same. Before I share with you uh, something, I want to tell you a little bit about him. He loves uh, cage fighting. He loves UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship. For those of you who don't know, this is what you don't want to see on TV because two guys or two gals get in a cage and and they just go tooth and tongue on each other uh, until one is knocked out, I believe. But um, Nathaniel and I had a special... Well, I'll just say we were rejoicing in our relationship a couple weeks ago during the Green Bay Packer game. Uh, We often text during the the football games. And uh, we were just kind of rejoicing having a moment in in our relationship. So I want to read that stream to you so you can get a feel for it. He said, uh, hey, Pops, who are you going for? I said, Green Bay, big time. He said, me too. Green Bay all the way? I said, yeah, that would be best with the Colts after that. New England sucks eggs. (laughs) He said, ha, egg suckers. And then he radically wigged me out. He said, do you have a prediction on the sex of my baby? I said, look at you, thinking about babies in the middle of a playoff game? I can't believe it. Who are you and what have you done with my son? He said, not babies, my baby. 
And Abby just asked me that and, I, and told me what she thought, so I wanted a second opinion. I said, I'm thinking a boy, one who will love you with all your, or one who you will love with all your heart and will give you a run for your money just as you did for me. One you can tell stories about Hatchet Jack and throw canoe paddles at his head. Those are sort of inside stories. If it's a girl, you can just plan on making millions of dollars by entering her in beauty pageants at an early age. His wife is gorgeous, and uh, so that's what inspired that thought. He said, you are so great, Dad. I hope I will be half as good a father as you. Either way, this baby will be training for the UFC. (laughs) There's a special closeness. And we have that with our Father, don't we? I have 40 years, four decades of walking with the Lord. And I have memory after memory after memory of Him showing me how tenderly and intimately He loves me. I could tell you those stories, but I think you've heard most of them. How do you know He loves you? Fifth, I would answer, he continues to wash us and renew us and cleanse us from our former sinful ways, and he fills us with his Holy Spirit. I have three passages here, but I'll just read one. It's kind of a sleeper passage. It's Titus 3, starting in verse, chapter 3, verses 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Isn't that a beautiful verse? I was so grateful a few weeks ago when Jim uh, just kind of shared an aside. It felt like an aside. Maybe it wasn't to you, Jim, but, but you said that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is a river, not a reservoir. And I've been, that that caught my attention and it fit with what I've been thinking lately is that I need to stay in the presence of the Lord. I need to work on really being faithful to have good quality time with the Lord in prayer. Uh, For me, it's in the morning. In order to have the Holy Spirit move powerfully through me, during the day. It's not a reservoir. It's not a pool that you build up, but it's that constant walk and presence, being in the presence of the Lord. So that thought, I think, fits well with he is continually filling us with his Holy Spirit, washing us, renewing us, cleansing us, but we have to make ourselves available to him, don't we? We can't just assume that he's going to do that without any effort on our part. 
And then finally, if someone said, how do I know he loves me? I would answer, because he will see you safely home. He will see you safely home. So often we get anxious, don't we? How am I doing, Lord? I'm thinking it all depends on me. And uh, am I pleasing you? And so on. And yet the Bible witness is different, isn't it? The Bible witness is that he is our guarantee. That his faithfulness, his commitment, his character is what will see us through to the end and will guarantee our salvation in Jesus Christ. I'd like to look at Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Thank God he's going to see us home. So in conclusion, what I want to say is this. Let's let the love of God loose in and through us. Amen? Let's, let's let the love of God loose in and through us. Being perfected in love is much more than loving each other in spite of our quirks. For the Christian, all of life is a love, a love lab, laboratory, where God is mixing the chemicals of life to perfect us in his love. But especially in the body of Christ, we're instructed to love, aren't we? Just a couple more verses. This is um, John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus said to his disciples, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then in 1 Peter, this is the last verse, in 1 Peter 1.22, Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently, fervently love one another from the heart. The word fervently here means to stretch out your hand. Or the Im it's an image of, a, of a, a runner reaching for the tape, stretching out for the finish line. So I want to uh, ask how can we cooperate with this mission of God to perfect his love within us? I'd like to make three three ways, or lift up three ways. First is we can believe the tender love that God has for us. How many of you believe that love? How many of you believe that God loves you with that tender, tender love? Second thing is to fervently stretch out your hand to the brethren. Fervently love the brethren. And third, I think we can take Gordon's advice and be weeds in the concrete. That whenever we suffer a discouragement or a disappointment, our response is to dig down into God until we find the strength to love again.
Amen? Let's pray together. Would you stand with me? And If this word has been especially meaningful to you, I'd invite you just to stretch out your hand to the Lord. And one of these areas, believing the love, fervently loving the brethren. And the third one, which jumped out of my head, to be weeds in the concrete. Father, we just thank you so much for our lives. Whether things are going well right now or whether we are in the midst of a root hog or die situation, we pray that these three things would be true of us. Lord, that we would believe the love that God has for us. We would believe you, Lord, about how deeply and how intimately you love us. We also pray, Father, that we would fervently love one another. Thank you, Lord, for the deep love here at TCF for one another. But but we ask for a greater infilling, a greater baptism of love, that, that we would fulfill this commandment of Jesus and also be a witness to the world. So help us to be perfected in love as we move about, especially with each other, and also in the world at large. And then finally, Lord, we ask that we would be those weeds in the concrete who continually drill down when we suffer a disappointment or a discouragement, and that we would find our solace, our comfort, our refuge, and the ability and the strength to love again. So we just give you all the glory and all the praise for the preaching of your word. And all the people said, Amen.